All it takes is a click to listen to RTI Online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead later this hour, it's Chinese Culture 101 and Jukebox Republic. But we start off the week, as always, with Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Monday, January 28th. I'm John Van Trieste and joining me here in the studio today this Monday, we've got Jake Chen. Hello. And Paula Chow. Hello. All right, well, college entrance exam season is upon us here in Taiwan. We'll be hearing about the trials and tribulations of would-be university students. Also, uh, the Kavalan Indigenous Group has lost one of its rare tribal wizards. We'll be hearing about uh, this very remarkable person who the, the group has recently lost. And then we'll be meeting a middle school principal who may just have too many luxury cars. All that coming up next. Please stick around. You know, I can't think of anyone for whom college entrance exams are fun in any country, in any part of the world. But I think Taiwan's process is probably among the more rigorous and exhausting. Definitely. Um, so in the past weekend, uh, GSAT just took place, the General, Scholi General Scholastic Ability Test. This is uh, one of the three major tests that, uh, unfortunately, senior high school students in Taiwan have to undertake. And uh, this one decides, sort of measures your general knowledge on the major subject. So if you don't pass this one, you don't even get to take the final college entrance exams, which I think will be take place this july so it's the weeding out part of the exam exactly so this uh got the entire islands uh, of students and their parents all very very nervous um so it took place last friday and saturday and uh like i said earlier five subjects were tested and uh there are a lot of stories that are you know i think painful for the people involved and somewhat comical for us who read it um we'll start from outside of the uh exam locations we're not going to even get in there yet so Parents themselves have their own Facebook groups, and uh, while they're waiting for their students who are hardworking uh, in the classrooms within exam locations, uh, they've posted uh, their conversations and different photos. Um, you see plenty of photos with you know dads and moms with two watches and three cell phones, and they're just nervously waiting outside. What are they doing with two watches and three cell phones? I think the guy with two watches, one is uh, he wants to look at a time and a timer for the exam at the same oh, time. Oh, okay. I thought so, maybe he had two different kids and two different testing times. That, yeah, that could, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, be in the position of uh, a daddy who who has you know more than one kid who's mm. taking a test at the same time, and um, some of the conversations are are, are rather uh, interesting as well. Uh, some parents said, you know, my. Uh, daughter suffered nosebleed before entering the exam you know just all the 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 you know the conversations about their children just sustaining too much pressure and some of it actually took place uh on friday um the there are i think in taipei there are a total of three spare locations so students with uh um 
who suffer from you know medical conditions, you know uh, unexpected situations, will be moved to that locations. And actually, three uh, students vomited uh, after taking the exam. <laughs> One of them was dude. Sorry, that's not funny. One of them What's was the Schadenfreude today, Jake. <laughs> right, <laughs> taking pleasure in the suffering of others. <laughs> uh, right, I'm revealing my true self. Uh, no, but. The um, one of them was due to suffering from a type A uh, uh, type A flu, so that's understandable. The other two was literally because the pressure was too heavy to bear. Uh, because I think on Friday was English and Chinese Mandarin, so two of the, the arguably most important subjects. So the two language yeah, tests that you really have to ace to at least to uh, to, to to not be weeded out. Um, so yeah, and once we enter the exam locations, um, the uh, I mean these uh, colleges and, and, and high schools aren't aren't taking this thing lightly. There are a lot of countermeasures to uh, forbid students from cheating. Uh, there are security cameras in some locations. There are signal jammers. Um, they're taking this quite seriously. They don't have to hand their cell phones in before they, they go in. They they, they do they do, but you can't prevent students from bringing electronics that are much much smaller than okay. cell phones. So of course all electronics are banned. Uh, uh, um, at the entrance of the exam rooms. Um, on to the exams themselves, there's quite a variety. Um, I think since 2010, if my research serves me well, the Ministry of Education have been pushing for exam questions that are quote-unquote uh, more going with the trend. You know, you're not just going to answer sort of the old pedantic questions. You're Less gonna... academic, more real world. Yes, yes, that's the approach. Um, and apparently, uh, in this year's Chinese Mandarin test, um, a variety of real-world questions, uh, some of them quite related to, to quite recent uh, uh, events uh, are, and cultural incidents are taking place. For example, um, one, uh, one of the several Chinese uh, television shows that got viral in Taiwan was, the, the, I think, the stories of Yanxi Palace, and there were questions regarding the TV show. So this is a period piece, a historical drama, right? Yes. Right? yes. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that one. Right. Um, and then there are questions regarding the uh, renowned um, Taiwanese um, philanthropist Chen Shuju. Oh, there was yeah, st- the veg- vegetable vendor. Yes, the yes. vegetable vendor who donates regularly large sums to charity. Right. right. Um, there's a question regarding, oh, not just her, the asteroid that's named after her. So, you know, questions that are, you know, timely and, and going with the time. So that's so, interesting. I think it yeah. tests your reasoning, also your argumentation, yes. and uh, maybe even your philosophizing. Most well, definitely. Paula has a bit about questions on this year's exam as well. Right. I have a, um, um, a, an exam-related story. It's about um, the English essay uh, students were required to write. They are required to write an essay about the two things that um, they are proud of Taiwan. Well, if I were the, the, to test it, because I would at least put down, um, you know, put two things. One is I think people here in Taiwan are friendly and hospitable and hospitable. Yes, you know, we're known sure. for our hospitality. And another thing I would um, write is a, is a, a preservation of Chinese culture and uh, Taiwanese culture because the Chinese culture is well-preserved in Taiwan in many aspects. Mm-hmm. So that those are the two things that I think, you know, I would, you know, mention. I mean, some, something that I think I would really proud of Taiwan because every day when I, I take the bus, you know, to the radio station every day and I think that... Um, I see young people uh, or even middle-aged workers give their seats to 
senior citizens yes, or very... to women with toddlers. And I see that almost every day. So I It's a very traditional sort of right. way of behaving, a sort of traditional mm-hmm. respect. Hmm. If I were taking this exam, that that's hard. There's a lot of things to be proud of, I think. The healthcare system here is pretty mm-hmm. great. Definitely. Um, also, other things like, you're right, the people here are friendly. The people are friendly and it's a very progressive sort of a place, you know? You can be very, you can be, feel very free and also very safe. Like, I don't know, there's a lot of things. Mm. Public safety, yeah, all of it. It's pretty safe, yes. Mm. Well, the 94-year-old uh, Kavalan wizard Ibai has passed away. Uh, she passed away on Thursday morning, and uh, it's fortunately there are still five wizards in the community where she's from but uh, they are sort of a dying breed really there's not a whole lot of them around uh, she was very healthy and I think I actually saw her on one occasion in, in person I believe if she, I, I have a photo of me with someone who looks very much like her I wasn't introduced oh, oh cool but um, what do they do by the way uh, well wizards they, they did, well, actually, she did a lot of things. In addition to her uh, wizardry, she was also involved in uh, reviving the craft of weaving with banana fibers, which is another well. Kavalan tradition uh, that they've been really good at bringing back. They actually have a full workshop in their community in Hualien. Uh, and, you know, she was basically what her role as a wizard was, was to pray for blessings, to get rid of uh, calamities, and to cure diseases as well. And she'd been picked for this role at the age of 14 by her grandmother. Uh, what's interesting is that she was also a Catholic, which uh, I think is an interesting combination, being a Catholic and a wizard. But it, yeah. in, there's a bit of, I guess, syncretism sometimes and blending of beliefs uh, in some communities, I guess. And she didn't seem to have any issues sort of going between those two worlds. Uh, and she had just recently, on October 6th, come to a place in Hualien to celebrate a ceremony for the fire god and the Kavalan ancestors. And I think she must have gone many times, because that's also where I believe I saw her. When I saw the picture, I went, I think I know who that is. Okay. They just said to me, oh, she's very important in our community. And I think that may have been That says enough, yeah. Uh, so a very sad loss for the community. And uh, trying to, they're thinking about using traditional rituals to hold a funeral for her. They haven't set a date yet. Did you very, have the pleasure to actually see the visitor, the visitor that uh, she performed? She was uh, participating in different ceremonies, yeah. Okay. There was a waving of branches with alcohol on them. Uh, they were spitting alcohol. At onto a, the branch? To, as, no, onto like the, the people as a blessing and okay. waving branches. And yeah, I was. I did get to see, maybe, I think it may have been her and some others in action. That was very cool. It's a very sad loss. All right, tell us about the middle school principal with too many luxury cars. Right. Um, he is um, 64 years old, and he loves Mercedes-Benz so much that he owns five luxury cars, five Mercedes-Benz. On a middle school principal's salary? How yes. deep in debt is he? Well, <laughs> I guess he might have a side job or side business anyway. Well, I think there's nothing wrong with someone who has, uh, you know, five um, luxury cars. The problem is, uh, if you have five luxury cars, you must have a parking space for each one of them. Oh, having Ob- a parking space at all in Taiwan can be, I mean, in Taipei anyway. Right. That's not easy. But obviously, this, you know, a principal doesn't have a parking space for his um, luxury sedans. So what he actually did is he parked all luxury cars on campus 
because he's a middle school principal. <laughs> he gets to do so what he wants. In the park, so he has five VIP spots for himself. Right. I'm not sure which is worse. Like only five cars were were the the flaunting them with with no you know reservation whatsoever. Are they okay. identical cars? I wonder. Like, because that's kind of overkill. Like, if they yeah. were at least different cars, that might be. I, I guess more reasonable. Just, the, the five models, of the same cars. Yeah, yeah. The, the models are all different. But anyway, that's you know you're not supposed to do that because mm. he obviously abused his power to use um you know campus that was uh, that is you know supposedly a, a place for students right, right? well it's to a middle school his- so they're not driving they're not driving, mm. but it, this is still not right. Anyway, uh, Taiwan's tabloid um, Apple Daily, you know, publishes a story, and then um, a reporter, you know, talked to the principal. Um, he admitted that yes, he did, you know, park ex- um, uh, luxury cars um, there because, but he said that well, because uh, the campus is so huge uh, that he didn't think that it will, you know. Uh, made things difficult for his mm. students. Anyway, uh, Taiwan's Education Bureau said that's not right. You have to move all your cars, and which he did. <laughs> well, he can should be able to at least have one car. He's the principal. He has to get to work somehow. Right, but so, you're not supposed to limit park one. all your, you know. Uh, <laughs> cars there on campus one per person please right and then you know guess what um you know according to um you know a student's parent this principal uh one said a guy a man must have a mercedes-benz because it's such a wonderful car so easy to drive Um, i'm relieved to see that's where his focus lies i mean wow (laughs) No, I'm sensing no. maybe some insecurity or maybe like a middle life crisis. Or yeah, something. that too. I'm Possibly. sorry, just me being an armchair psychologist for a second. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I guess if it doesn't get in the way of parents parking or staff parking, there's nothing wrong whatever, with whatever. But maybe clear it with the school or something first. Like, don't just go issuing, issuing yourself parking permits. I don't know. So, has he removed them? Well, he he has to remove all of them. He has to remove all of them. So right. not even one. Not even one. Yes. Well, that's about it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Jake Chen. And I'm Paula Chow. Don't go anywhere just yet. We've got Chinese Culture 101 and Jukebox Republic coming next. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. You're listening to Chinese Culture 101. 
I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Those of you who tune into our previous program might remember last week we introduced Kunshu or Kunshu Opera. Kunshu Opera is the most elegant and artistic genre of traditional Chinese drama. Kun refers to Kunshan, a city in today's coastal Jiangsu province in southeast China. The opera was named after the city because it originated there during the early Ming Dynasty in the 14th century. The performance of Kunshu Opera encompasses singing, acrobatics, symbolic gestures, recitals, as well as graceful dance movements. The scene exhibits perfect control of one's voice and changes in rhythm that is exquisite and sentimental. The scene actually has a very beautiful name called Shui Mo Diao. When translated literally into English, it means water-polished music. In general, the opera features a young male lead, a female lead, an old man, and a number of comic roles. Actors and actresses all wear traditional costumes. During the Qing Dynasty, the last imperial dynasty, which is from 1644 to 1911, Kunqu opera was deeply loved by the royal households, literati, and ordinary folks. The traditional drama that flourished for about a hundred years at the height of the Qing Dynasty has had a profound impact on Peking opera. In 2008, Kunqu opera was inscribed on the UNESCO's list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity. Don't go away, we'll be right back. Kunqu songs are accompanied by all kinds of wind, stringed, and percussion instruments. They include a bamboo flute, a horn, a reed pipe, a small drum, wooden clappers, gongs, cymbals, etc. The instruments are used to punctuate actions and emotions on stage. The bamboo flute provides the main accompaniment. Kunqu is characterized by smooth, pleasant, and flowing music. Its melody or tune is one of the four great characteristic melodies in Chinese drama. When it comes to the preservation of one of the oldest forms of Chinese opera still performed today, the name that is on everyone's lips is Bai Xianyong, a distinguished novelist and playwright who has been dedicated to preserving Kunqu opera over the past 15 years. As we mentioned in our previous episode, the preservation of Kunqu opera has given the writer a sense of mission to revive Chinese culture. Earlier this week, Bai gave a press conference in Taipei as he set to introduce his adaptations of three classic Kunqu pieces next month. Kunqu opera is mostly about romantic love, and two of the most classic pieces are the Peony Pavilion, and the Hall of Longevity. At the press conference, Bai introduced three other pieces, however. The first piece Bai introduced is the Jade Hairpin, a story about the forbidden love between a young scholar and a Taoist nun. The second piece is the story of Golden Lotus, which is about a married woman's extramarital affair with another man. The piece focuses on the oppressed love and hate of the woman 
in the traditional feudal society. At the press conference, Bai spoke for the protagonist. He said, while the woman is a famous adulterer in Chinese literature, she has the right to pursue love. And the final piece Bai introduced is entitled The White Silk Robe. The piece is a departure from traditional drama because it has nothing to do with romance. It's actually a tragedy that focuses on the struggle of scenes in the redemption between father and son. Bai said his adaptations include new elements because modern visual arts, moral values, and aesthetics are different than before. He hopes to use modern taste to attract younger audiences. And that's all we have for today's Chinese Culture 101, in which we briefly introduced Quenqiu Opera, the most elegant and artistic genre of traditional Chinese drama. I hope you have enjoyed listening to our show today. If you have any comments or suggestions, you may write to rti at rti.org.tw. Once again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Just tune into Two Bus Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. I don't know how many times I've put Ethan Chen on the pedestal, but he really is a superstar and super talented singer from Hong Kong. He released yet another album in December 2018 called L O V E, like L dot O dot V dot E dot E dot. Yeah, but it was not his solo album. But instead, he found 13 musical friends, most from Hong Kong, but a couple of foreigners as well. To complete this album, which is a collection of 14 songs. Two in Mandarin Chinese, eight Cantonese songs, and one English song, and three short a cappellas with no accompaniment. Anyway, here's one of the Mandarin Chinese songs from the album Hai Li Shiren, To Be Together.
伤害像是一首。I don't know about you. I loved that song. That was "To Be Together" 海里睡人 by Eason Chen and the Duo Band. Duo D U O Band. You're listening to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. Apparently, it's been six years since the last time the band members were together. This time, they got together to do several concerts for charity. Eleven concerts, to be exact, for different youth service groups and charity. The band, duo band, has been putting together the album and concerts since 2012. Eason made each one of the 14 members contribute a song for the release. So the result is a delightful collection with a variety of music genre, from blues to reggae to Latin and jazz, and of course, old school cantal pop. I can't imagine that each of them, being busy with their own careers, would come together to find extra time for working on something like this. You know,、um, until I watched a music video to the song "Po Hai Wang," which translates well、uh, for the album into "We Did It," like "We Did It" from you know the movie, the the animation film "Wreck It Ralph." So "Po Hai Wang," which means destroyer, actually, is the Chinese name for that. Animation film. Anyway, so the video turned out to be a recollection of the great times that Eason and the dual band members had together while doing the album, mostly off stage, like having fun. No, actually, not doing the album. It's more like the concerts. They kind of made a a world tour, I think.、Um, yeah, with this album. Anyway, so、um, anyway, it was a recollection of you know、uh, of like an off stage scenes, things that they did, like having fun, eating together, playing together, and then individual shots of them catching naps, you know, whenever they could,、um, doing sports together, like kicking these homemade balls. It looked like they were made out of、um, I don't know, maybe like poster paper or newspaper. I don't know. Or even like throwing balls to each other, just being silly, you know.、Um, so it was a very heartwarming, very touching video. I enjoyed it, and then I realized that even music people can just want to get together to have some friendship building time, right? So then I get it. It was getting together for the music, but also a time to chum up to each other. It looked like they've known each other for a long time, and after the band disbands, now you feel that they will come together again to make music. At some time later in the future. All right, another song.、Um, how about, how about we did it? It's in Cantonese, but hey, let's enjoy it.
欲太强，太过寄养。我拒绝正常，秒秒转风向，再刮乱气场，情绪高涨。富有格局里，包破结局，高高撞上上，让发癫的组织开始生长，感觉尖嘴向上。I also came to know that another of Eason Chan's music video was shot in Hualien, one of the best places to visit in Taiwan by the eastern coast of Taiwan. 
and uh, it was shot along the coast and by the beach of a lonely standing gray concrete building, which apparently was a B&B. The song was about a woman and a man who decided on a last trip together before they break up. Yeah, I guess they do that here in Taiwan. <laughs> or, you know, Asian people when they break up. I don't know. So they, uh, the music video went on um, showing them driving up to the house, having a lot of conversation, laughter together, even after they arrived at the house and sat facing the ocean, chatting. Then the man was probably showing that he's regretting the about-to-happen breakup. I can only guess that the woman was the one initiating the breakup. So in the middle of their conversation, the guy began touching her hand, to which she pulled her hand away. Yeah. The next scene, they were sleeping in the same bed, but not talking or touching each other, even though it looked like the guy wanted to make another move to reconcile or something. But she was hesitant, but didn't make a move. Instead, she said something like, this is not going to work. You know, don't even try. Uh, then it showed them saying goodbye the next day. The guy gave a big, long hug with her in his arms. And then turning around, he got into his car and she walked away. The last scene was seen with him breaking down in tears at the wheel and seeing her turning to see him for the very last time in the rear view mirror. So sad. What a tearjerker. What can I say? It was another love song, a sad love song. I would love to play that song for you, but it would be another Cantonese song. So instead, I'll play the only English song on the record called Run. Last night, I had a dream that I was on I wasn't scared I couldn't stop But I didn't care I ran through the night Ran through the rain
Just to give a little bit of background about some of the members in the duo band, one is Charlie Huntley, the saxophonist from Vancouver. Besides playing the saxophone, Charlie is also a keyboardist, flutist or flautist, and composer. He has been based in Hong Kong since 1994. He was the first recipient of the Jazz Improvisation Award and Scholarship from Humber College in Toronto, Canada. Uh, since then, he has been composing music for various platforms and performances in studios and venues throughout the world. He's worked with many prominent artists from Hong Kong, as well as other international celebrities. Charlie has performed for audiences as large as around 50,000 to intimate settings of 20 people. Then there's Chris Polenko, apparently a multilingual guy. He speaks Cantonese, English, Spanish, French, and Italian. And he's also a multi-instrumentalist. He plays the piano, guitar, bass, accordion, drums, and bongos. So he's mostly the drummer and bongo player for the L-O-V-E album. Coming from a family of three brothers and one sister, he's the only one who's musical, but he's also got an honors degree in computer programming. Then there was Ellen Liu, Liu Kai Tong. I said was because she committed suicide in August last year, just before the release of the album. She was one smart, talented musician from Hong Kong, but she ended her life young at the age of 32. She was nicknamed Rock Mui, which I would guess from the Cantonese, Mui stands for little sister, so she was a rocker, the, the rocker for the band. At the end of the uh, We Zitted music video, Eason wrote simply in memory of Ellen Liu to play tribute to her. Luckily, he said that they had finished the filming and recording to the f- album before she died and made the changes she wanted made. Eason said there's nobody who can replace her. It was sad, but it was a good way of saying goodbye and passing on down her legacy uh, through the album. Thank you so much for joining me on Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. And here's another song from L-O-V-E. This would be the other Mandarin Chinese song. Um, it's called Crazy Friends. Yes, Crazy Friends by Easton Chan and the Dual Band. Let's do it. Oh. <laughs> Come on, my friends. Okay, here we go, here we go. Here we go. 
玩笑。文艺片或大制作，连看他无套。坐了八个小时，喝了几瓶可乐，多么骄傲。换上我们的脑袋，像个爆米花。伏特加，还说这世界里吧，要跑去我的家。他是不是傻的？我到整个北大里爱了吧？就一起疯，在一起狂，只要觉得爽快跳嗨，我也可以不敢怠慢。金土包，口沫横飞的叫我陪他学空手道。其实已经分不清谁不谁胡闹。刚过去的五月，我们去了澳门，我放了只母鸡，活生生的母鸡在他房间。Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. I am John Van Trieste back in the studio once again with Jake Chen and Paula Chow, and we're here to leave you with one more thing. Taiwan's convenience stores have done it again. On this very program, we have reported over the years about all the things you can do here, including more recently, go to the gym or get、mm. your nails done. I remember that one? And they've done it again.、Uh, this time, we're talking about one of the major chains here, Family Mart.、Uh, it's just opened its first laundromat. Wow! That. Another service. Yet another service, indeed. And、uh, you know, I have to be honest. Like I would use that. Same because, here. I mean, It's right downstairs. So Taiwan, of course, has a convenience store on like every corner. It's also a very damp and humid place, and most homes do not have dryers. It's a washing and sort of clothesline operation only. Yeah.、Uh, actually, it's more like a bamboo pole that's sort of hung across your. Balcony. Sometimes in between buildings, yes. illegally. So、yeah. you know,、uh, it can take during the very, very, very damp times, especially in the winter when it's cold. It can take days for clothes to dry, and we have bigger things like sheets. Right.、Uh, all bets are off. It'll take forever to dry. It may even start to smell a little bit bad <laughs> before. By the time it's, by dry, time yeah. it's done. So、um, yeah, every, a few times a year, I do have to take my my clothing to the laundromat and.、Uh, That sounds very convenient. This first one is in Sanchong, which is a suburb of Taipei. It's only got five washer dryers, though, which I think is hardly enough.、Mm. They're going to be flocked with people.、Uh, there's good news, though. More than ten other stores are going to have 
uh, I don't know if they're going to be built new with laundromats attached or if they're going to add laundromats to existing stores. But anyway, there's going to be 10 more of them. And they're going to target, it says here, humid areas. Well, very specific. All of Taiwan is very humid. Yep. <laughs> and, um, but I think especially in the north, uh, we can be very wet and damp and kind of a bit clammy. Uh, but, and also commercial districts with a lot of renters. So they talk, there's a few spots in here that they mentioned specifically. And I do think they're sort of like bedroom communities for Taipei. So... Uh, definitely this is a pretty smart business move, they're marketing they're th- doing their research you know yeah um, what's really cool about this is that uh, you can get real-time information about availability it's like the bathrooms in this in the metro oh, stations they have like a little app for yourself say, yeah which ones are occupied or you know oh that's really that way well you don't that way you don't drag all your laundry downstairs only to find that they're all full right right you can check beforehand right yeah and if you have their app you can get a notification five minutes before your laundry's done. To tell you to come, come pick it up. So you're not. Oh, that's left. really convenient, isn't that? It like, doesn't get any better than that. It's does it? like, and the prices are a bit pricey compared to a normal laundromat, I would say. But uh, I mean, the convenience—it's a convenience store, I guess. So yeah. it's got to be. Um, I think that's sort of in line with the business model of convenience I mean, stores. And the Ministry of Finance has crunched the numbers. Taiwan's laundromat market is worth. 9.04 billion NT dollars, and it's grown by 14% over the last five years, which I don't know Not if that means that less. we're less tolerant of damp clothing or if we just have more clothing. And Probably a combination of both. I don't know what that means, how why that demand's grown, but... Uh, you know, there are traditional mom-and-pop laundromats, and those are sort of on the way out, but the coin-operated ones... Uh, I'm not, it looks like this is for all of Taiwan. There are 1,360 of them. Right, because I think uh, because Taiwanese work so long hours, you know, those oh, mom yeah. and pop shops, they only close at about, I think, 7 p.m. at most. Well, you're going to need them afterwards. And you have to wait till they're open to pick it up again. Yeah. I mean, it's 24 too. hours. So, But now you can just get an alert on your phone. I mean, yeah. it's brilliant. Well, that's all from us today here at Radio Taiwan International's English Service. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow when we present Book of Odes and Status Update. For now, though, on behalf of all of us here in Taipei, thanks so much for listening. Listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In Southern China and South Asia,
Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Type A Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Type A Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.